Hello and welcome to Tokyo Inklings. My name is CY. You can find me on my website, tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram at tokyostationpens, and、um, various other places with the same handle. And my name is Jacob. I have a much neglected website at foodofan.com, and I'm slightly more active on Instagram as foodofan. And threads. And threads, true. Hello, my name is Kray. You can find me on Instagram at MiraiCat and Happy New Year to everyone. And I'm Elisa Inky Rocks on the social media things. And I don't know what episode this is, but it's an episode. It's our annual、uh, yearly New Year's episode.、Um, and I don't know if this is public information, but potentially our last with all four of us in this room. Unless you do Zoom. Unless you do Zoom, yeah. But, you know, who wants that? Like, <laughs> You'd still be in like the previous year. So,、um, yeah, Elisa, you're going back to the United States.、Um, yeah, moving into the DC area around June of this year. Yeah.、Uh, but still, we have this beautiful day. We are once again blessed with beautiful weather,、uh, as is tradition. What year is this? This is 2024, I believe. <laughs> I am tired, but、um, what year is this? You said we, like last year, I thought you said it was our third time doing it on the first. I think this is our fourth. So it's our fourth time.、Mm. That's pretty wild. So your podcast is. Well, we started 2020, right? And then we did 21, 22, 23, 24. So this is the fourth、uh, year in review.、Um, and I guess we'll start with the. I don't know if it's an easy or a hard question, but、uh, I think obviously. Everybody probably noticed that our recording schedule got a lot、um, more dispersed, <laughs> let's say.、Yeah. So, you know, let, let's go around the table.、Um, I think this year was probably the busiest year ever for, for、mm-hmm. all of us.、Um, and that's why, even though we wanted to move to a monthly schedule,、uh, at the end of the day, that wasn't like super feasible for, for、um, any of us. So, Uh, we kind of moved to this irregular schedule. But how has that been for, for, for you? Does it feel like we're podcasting a lot less? I mean, we're still very busy, right? Who are you addressing the question to? All of us? <laughs> yeah, all, all, all of you. Let's you know, go around in a circle. Maybe we can start with you.、Um, yeah, for me, it's been a particularly busy year. So this has worked well for me. To be honest, I kind of, kind of miss the podcast.、Um, I don't think there's been that much material to discuss, but I kind of miss just having the discussion about you know, everyday life in Japan and you know, some events. And so I do miss that. I don't miss you know, endless hours of editing, but I would like to do a bit more frequent podcasts than we do now. And I think that's a, that's a good point because for the past couple of years,、um, especially during the pandemic years, it's been a lot of, you know, Discovery, new stuff. You know, we were on Yahoo Auctions finding like old stuff,、um, new releases. Everything was like still pretty exciting, especially since Sailor was just,、um, they had the, you know, on and off retailer releases. Now it's kind of morphed into this, you know, bi weekly release from Sailor, which then isn't very interesting to cover, nor is it very new. So I think the, the product release schedule. Um, of the brands has also evolved. Yeah, and I think in the absence of、like、real substantial product news, I think 
there was this vacuum that got filled by like, drama and rumors, and I would got was really tired of talking about all the drama in the pen world. So that's one reason I'm happy to be sort of on the sidelines and not you know talk about every hot topic in the pen world. Yeah, and I think um, there's definitely been a lull uh, in what even we could cover. So we'll probably talk a little bit about that more in terms of the you know highlights and lowlights of the year but i i do think that looking back on the entire year um the release schedule of of the major brands and even the minor brands right like have been have been a little bit stale it's it's not in my opinion it's probably not been the best year in uh in japanese fountain pen mm-hmm. uh world so um yeah for me that's kind of my thoughts around it you know we had we had an okay year we had some new stuff but nothing really category defining um nothing really too you know world-breaking marazen uh usually we would cover the new marazen stuff when the when the postcard arrives but you know, this year or next year, they're releasing another red. Let's save that for for the biggest disappointments. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I think that's pretty much my reflection. Uh, on the other hand, I think the we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But maybe some of the best stuff has come out of non fountain pen um, products. Uh, particularly one chubby short. Yeah, I mean, I think we discussed that one t- to death already, but I think both Quay and I are big fans of the Uniball 1P. But I think if, I, if I'm to summarize, you know, the year in like two topics, two trends, it's inflation and wooden pants. I think those, more than anything, those have been sort of the, the two big trends. And currency rate. Yeah, so sort of related to the first point, but yeah. All right, Quay, what's what's your thoughts, general thoughts about um, about the year, about 2023? Are you still as excited about the Japanese scene as, you know, maybe the earlier years? No, I, I would say there's still like, uh, um, I would like to myself to say that nothing interests me anymore because there's still like a new ink, new, new stationery, stickers, paper, journal going out. But maybe we had this, during the pandemic, as it was closed border and we were kind of like showing showing off what's going on here and sharing with the international friends and community, maybe the research was a bit more like, uh, uh, even more um, concentrate on the Japanese scene. And um, now that borders are reopened and you can access most of the brand online, like a lot of brands who are only accessible in shop, open their online shop, it gets it get more easy how to like to to get online and find new inks and stuff like that. So maybe our uh, uh, say role is a little bit less um, uh, intense. That that's a good point. I, I think you know not to toot our own horns too much, but I'll toot it a little bit. I think we did play a pretty big role in bringing a lot of like hidden mm-hmm. information mm-hmm. Um, from Japan to. The English-speaking audience, but not only that, I think we brought a lot of information from outside to the Japanese vendors. Mm-hmm. So remember, in 2020, we asked um, Kobashi Bunkan about you know why they don't sell overseas and like ah, it's t- too much of a pain. You know we need to do all these things. And I believe Jacob, you're the one that said that broke the news basically that 
they're going to start accepting overseas orders now yes, um, with so a separate page. Yes, so you can order you can order now from overseas from their website, yeah. their online store. Yeah, which it took a while for them. They were one of the last holdouts. And this is coming from a store who actually refused to sell even online just three years ago, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I know, Alisa, with your interactions with a lot of the Japanese vendors, like they've kind of started to change their minds about selling to non-Japanese people even, right? And it's, it's a big shift in the behavior of Japanese vendors. We had obviously record um, numbers of Japanese vendors go out to, to San Francisco mm -hmm. as well. So maybe rather than the, the more overt changes in the scene, we have more subtle changes in like retailer behavior as well as consumer behavior. But I think that has a lot to do with the domestic manufacturers being forced to raise prices. And we talked before about how sailors recognized that the price increases has had a dampening effect on domestic sales, right? So that, so they're probably selling less domestically now. At the same time, as you said, Japan has opened up after, after the pandemic. More and more people are coming here. People from the US in particular are enjoying a very favorable exchange rate. They want to buy Japanese stationery. I mean, if you don't, if you don't uh, target those customers, I mean, that, that, that's such a lost opportunity. Yeah. And, and we'll talk about price increases because there's some ridiculous <laughs> ones coming. Yes. Lisa, what's your uh, year in review? I, I agree with both you guys. Um, uh, with uh, Jacob on the price increase is dampening um, the enthusiasm from Japanese um, fountain pen users. I'm still in a group of, uh, I don't know, about 15 people that were on my... Um, volunteer team when I worked for TIPS, and we all just kind of stayed together as a, a pen club right now online. And man, the whaling and the whining about the price increases, I mean, they're posting online like the price sheets and comparing to last year and stuff like that. So it's definitely affecting, at least from what I see, because the volunteers are going to be like more pen people, right? Mm -hmm. And there's just I'd say about half of the line discussion is whining about the prices, you know. And then, like you said, with the weakening of the dollar, now the yen, the yen excuse me, yeah, weakening of the yen, um, people, you know, are finding maybe Japanese pens a little more affordable than they were before. So definitely, I think um, Japanese companies are <clears throat> are really not doing it right if they don't open up and start mm. selling overseas. And I'm seeing that just running around. People are like, hey, you went to San Francisco last year, right? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, you know, so what's it like? How much does it cost? And I've talked plane tickets to people and whether or not, it was a matter of fact, it was even Kobayashi that um, were, were, they were trying to maybe come to San Francisco, but the tickets were just, he, he couldn't justify going out there and trying to sell. So I think. He didn't think he could justify it. He didn't think he could. He was wrong. But, yeah, he was. But then he turned out, he goes, but we are going to open up, you know, to like overseas sellers. So they've, they're just being drug kicking and screaming into the, I think, more the international. Which is pretty interesting because, I mean, this is kind of veering off um, pen talk, right? But then I guess the natural question is, well, why doesn't the BOJ just raise interest rates to reduce the gap? And well, that, that would kill the domestic industry. That would, exactly. And that's because we haven't had wage increases in 40 years, right? So you'd have a cost of living crisis. So Japan is pretty much in a pickle, kind of um, 
waiting to see they're they're playing chicken with with the U.S. Feds. So, anyways, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, let's not get on a deep dive in that topic, but um, but yeah, totally. I think what the the pen industry here is doing, at least the vendors, right? They they're looking at the right places and that overseas strategy. I think. Um, what Sailor is doing probably merits some kind of a discussion. Maybe we can just jump right into that. Um, Sailor, obviously, I don't know if it's obvious or not, but um, has been, I think, one of the player in the big three that's focused the most on the Western market um, in terms of particularly because they have Sailor USA, who I think drives a lot of the, the momentum in the U.S. and um, Canada and Mexico. But the problem with that is that from what I understand, there is Sailor USA that you can work with. And then there's also Sailor International Sales and Marketing Department. So they're two different groups of people with two different groups of interests. And so as a result, you have these like, um, let's say, overseas models that are developed by the Sailor in Japan, so the Sailor International um, Sales Team. And then you have the overseas or the US exclusive stuff that's developed by Sailor USA, and as a result, you have this kind of oversaturation uh, in the market of like you know, Sailor of the Week, right? Because obviously, then Sailor mm. is carrying both. Um, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on about you know how manufacturers are targeting or or moving to to um, I guess value more that overseas market. Jacob, you have any thoughts on this? Doesn't have to be Sailor. Well, I think it's most applicable to Sailor because Pilot has always had a worldwide, worldwide presence, and they've always been been doing well. They're selling their G2s in you know tons of them by the truckload, right? Um, Sailor, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they are just throwing stuff at the wall and see what sticks, right? Uh, we know that they have made a very heavy investment in you know, new manufacturing capabilities and they have used their new manufacturing capabilities, as you said, to make all kinds of new models and try to see uh, what works, you know, models for domestic retailers, standard models for domestic markets, models for the overseas markets. And yet, the sales are down like 10%, I think, uh, year over year. And they're on track to make uh, one of the biggest you know, uh, losses in, in their history. So uh, they've tried various things. It doesn't seem to work. Um, one thing that I think is different about sales than the other ones is that they're more cyclical than the others. Like, I think... Shortly after the pandemic or during the pandemic, when people had had the you know COVID checks and uh, maybe their Dogecoins went to the moon or whatever, like right? they could invest in their KOPs or whatever. I think it's been a bit of a hangover after that. I think that has reflected in worse sales than before for Sailor. While for Pilot, I don't think their business is as cyclical because. You're gonna buy your pilot juice, whether you know your interest rate mortgage is going up or down, right? That that is not a cyclical product like that. So I don't think that, that would change too much. I think we're gonna see very shortly because Sailor is is an increasingly dire situation. I think we may see them being forced to focus on fewer products. And something we've talked to as well recently is 
they're going to have to be forced to do something about the fact that their like, flagship nib is 21K. Like, that puts them at, at a unique disadvantage compared to the other manufacturers. But it's such a, such a matter of prestige for them, I believe. So I, I'm curious to see how they're going to approach it. But I think they're going to have to do that pretty soon because they are over and over recognizing that the gold cost is is, is a major headache for them. Well, the 10% loss could be could be probably, you know, gapped just by changing the gold content from 21K to 14K. But if you go to the website, if you go to the marketing, you know, the history, it's so much about the unique 21K nib that performs differently than all the other nibs, right? So they need to figure out a way to spin it. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I think they're going to have to do something about that. Um, I think a, I, I agree with how they should go about it, but the sailor Silent has a has a conversation with you about fewer models so we'll talk about that later okay how do you think um how do you think the japanese brands are going to approach 2024 i don't know uh, seriously it's um uh, we had this talk with some uh, stationary more like stationary people more into like uh, you know stickers and um, journals and masking tape and um, it, I think quite parallel with the front and pen uh, business is sometimes in Japan, maybe some, a lot of people will disagree with me, but the, the impression I have is Japanese make very good um, object artifacts and once they reach this kind of like uh, top, they will sit on this um, throne and think that as they reach this top, they don't need to do more. They can just stay there and be be happy, quiet there. And all around in other Asian um, countries, they are running after and sometimes they surpass this top. And at the moment, I can see that Taiwan or Malaysia has very, very, they play very strong in the stationary world. But it won't surprise me that in this front end pen world, some other country will reach this position, and maybe that would challenge Japan. I'd um, say that's already happening with China. Yeah, exactly. This year has been just the, the Chinese pen makers have been just amazing this year. I I can't keep keep track of it anymore. But you know, between all the SV, you know, how you pronounce it, and the Hongdian. And the movement releases. They all look really good. I bought some. And you are the original Chinese pen influencer. Yeah, all the <laughs> Moonman, Majon, and stuff. Yeah, I'm, and they make really, really good pens. I mean, in the past, it was really the case that, you know, really nice pen, except that it was cross, cross threading, or except mm -hmm. that it was leaking awesome. somewhere, or except, you know, those exceptions are fewer and fewer. They're getting really, really good, and the price point is very attractive. And it's becoming harder to justify buying something other than a Chinese pen because they're just so good. The only problem is that there's just too many of them, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and that they don't have a distribution model. Yeah. Which is probably why the prices are so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Alisa, what's your... What a company should do, I don't know, where I think maybe Sailor is going, just from looking at... Uh just stationary is that you know you we talk a lot about 600 to thousand dollar pens and stuff and mm -hmm. really in reality most people aren't good at that that's not 
the majority of fountain pen users. And you see Sailor coming out with uh, over and over these um, Profit Juniors that come with both a converter and a little ink bottle. Kind of, yeah. I call them introductory kits. And they seem to be quite popular, and it's a nice segue into fountain pens if you don't use them. I think that's a really good um, way to maybe encourage more people to do, use fountain pens. Whether or not that's going to be a profitable you know, thing for Sailor, I don't know. I, I really don't know. But I think they're, like, I got a, you, you, I showed it to you. It was like a Pilot Lucina or something. It was some, it was like the size of a Prera. It was a yellow pen. I'd never had a yellow pen, and I got it. And I absolutely love it, and I paid, like, $30 for it. And you can't get them. I got it at some, like, you know, the little store underneath the train tracks. And I'm just really sad that Pilot isn't doing more of those of, like, it's always just the prayer, and I'd like to, for the see, to see them to like make fifty dollars or less pens because they do a really good job, mm. and it's it's almost incomparable how good they are. The fact that a uh, Pilot Varsity costs what three bucks, two bucks, mm. and it still writes really well, and people actually refill them, and I feel like maybe that's we're missing out a little bit on that. Yeah, but I think all the Japanese pen makers now actually starting to make good introductory pens. I was the only prediction I got like 50% right all the other <laughs> predictions were like way way off uh, we'll get to that later I guess but <laughs> but you know Platinum has refreshed the Curidash they have done some interesting stuff with Procyon Pilot has done that uh, Lightiv Explorer uh, Sailor as you said Lightiv is a uh, pilot right yeah but Pilot has done that Lightiv Explorer and I think, think there was something else they did I can't remember and then Sailor they've done interesting things with a Hoku and then you, this Prophet Junior that now actually look, previously they look kind of boring, now they look very appealing with that Yurameku kit, right? I think for many of them, those, for all of those pen makers, especially Sailor, like the step up is too big. Oh, yeah, like from that introductory yeah. one to the, exactly. Yes, yeah, that, yeah. And then like the have, $100 pen. Right. Yeah. So and previously you had the custom 74, 3776, and, you know, right. Prophets, right? Um, you still have some of that that have got they're more expensive. They all look kind of boring until you get like thirty, forty thousand yen, right? Yeah. So there's this gap between this fun introductory pen and actually appealing high end, you know, golden pen. Well, maybe that's why the um, capitalist is so successful. Mm. It's true. It is kind of a bridge type, and it's always so innovative. I mean, the colors every every time. He posts a pen, it's like, and like everybody's all crazy about it, but they seem to be the most yeah. affordable. And I always want to get one, even though I don't like a capitalist. And I think to your point about the, the lower end, I think Sailor actually, um, they did these iridescent Fude um, Profit yeah. Juniors with a uh, with little ink bottle. And those were sold out everywhere, even in like places that usually... Um, have stock, let's say, uh, the, the places that don't sell that, that much. They were all sold out as well, so yeah, maybe you're onto something here. And like the collaboration with Mizutama. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. I think also while the yen is weak, um, they have to contend with the fact that um, more and more domestic sales even are influenced by non-Japanese people. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of companies have a hard time uh, kind of reconciling the fact that, oh, like non-Japanese people can come to Japan and buy stuff in Japan as well. So how do you, how do you segment the 
the people that are actually in the store, the people that are buying from home, and then the domestic market. Right. So, yeah, that's pretty interesting. All right. Um, let's move on to our next topic. I'm talking as if we have a list of topics, right? But, <laughs> but um, I want to talk a little bit about the year-end capitalists, um, the whiskey with whiskey. Uh, without the H. I believe all of us have um, have had the experience of going in the store and purchasing one now, right? Yeah. What do you think, Jacob? Well, uh, leaving the, the spelling aside, I think this is one of the nicest one. I mean, it's, it's up there, I think, with, uh, with Wish, which is probably many people's favorite, right? And I love that matte finish and that, you know, lighter brown um, gradient. It is... Going back to discussions about price, it is significantly more pricey than, than previous models. Um, I guess we'll talk about pilots' overall price increases later. Um, but I think it's a home run. I just wish... I, there's always so much confusion when this model comes out yeah. because no one can really... Like, the definition of what stores should sell them is kind of weird. It needs, they need to have like pilot sales staff, which is not very helpful for co consumer. Yeah, because you don't know which ones are pilot. We will wear hat pilots. Yeah. So, and, and the marketing is all but absent, right? So there's also a lot of confusion about the model, but a pen itself is, is a home run. You mean you don't like it when they just announce something on Twitter? Oh, sorry, X? Did they even do that this time? Probably. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Lisa, what do you think about the well, you know, it hits all the things that people like, the kind of gradient color, ombre, and then it's matte, which is, is different. And, um, you know, it's brown. The brown pens are kind of, brown and green pens are kind of rare. So, I mean, yeah, that, that couldn't help it. And then the misspelling just made it better, so. Great. So, yes, um, yeah, it's, uh, for me it was, um, I, when Jacob posted the, the first stories the, from, from the magazine, I was like, okay, I'm done. I was like, no more pen till the end of the year. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I'm done. And I knew that one of my pen pal, uh, Julie, will, will jump in with me. So uh, it was, yeah, it was a uh, 10 on 10, plus a bottle of ink, as always, in, in this set. But it's uh, quite always a little bit of secret thing, you know, that you can find in store, but not all of them. And as Jacob said, you, you never really know how many days on the market and stuff like that. I went to purchase this pen from Itoya, who is basically the last place that they have it in stock. And um, and they said, oh, sorry, we're not selling the pen at the moment anymore. We're, we're recalling all of the remaining stock. And I said, why? And she says, well, if, you're will if you live in Japan and you're willing to wait, we can send it to you once we can sell it again because we have a spelling mistake on the packaging. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, 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 no. I want the one with the spelling mistake. Like, the spelling mistake is what makes it great. I mean, the pen is beautiful, but, you know, now you have an Easter egg, which... It's kind of fun. So, but, so I made some research about the name because I was like, because we asked in the shop with uh, Jacob, we asked at Maruzen, yeah. where is where is this whiskey coming from? And the the staff told us, oh, it's from the German spelling. 
and we're like, okay. And in my head, I was like, mm, strange. I learned German, but I have no... Maybe I didn't learn whiskey in school, you know, as I was still a, a kid. So I was like, and I check online when I came back. So no, there's an H in, in German, just to, to make it clear. And I found that some Japanese brand write it without the H. Yeah, there's, there's one specific brand, an Austrian brand that is imported to Japan. Exactly. And so there's one brand who I did with, without the H. And that's the brand that Pilot likes. We, maybe the CEO of Pilot drink yeah. only that one. Maybe. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that, that was pretty funny, but I agree it's a beautiful pen. What I don't understand is that this pen is mostly sold out already, right? So if they're doing recall, how many, how many boxes can they even recall? And are you going to make another batch now? Or? No, they're going to they're gonna send replacement um, packaging. Yeah, I, I, get, I get that. But so you need to go there and, and like say, I bought this one before and can you please give me a new... You could probably do that. You could probably do that. Um, and they will probably send you a new right. packaging. Because otherwise, my, my question is, do they even have enough... I mean, how many boxes do they still have in stock in Itoya that it can send back? Like, I'm not sure, but... Um, the last time I went, they still had some inventory, so that was like maybe a week or two ago. But in that case, maybe the one with correct spelling would be even more rare because it's all, all but sold out now, right? So maybe like five <laughs> boxes they send back to pilots get the correct label. It's true. But that one's not as fun. Um, but I think they, I think what's interesting is that the year started with also another pretty, initially what I thought was a lackluster capitalist model but it's actually pretty banging it's the disney 100th anniversary um capitalist um and it has uh the um steamboat willy like the classic steamboat willy printed on on the barrel i think it was an itoya exclusive they had the disney 100th anniversary um small ink bottles with it and originally i wasn't so sold on the the actual pen itself because it's just screen printed but then when i saw the presentation box my mind completely changed because it had this um you basically fold it up and it has this pop-out art of um of steamboat willy and yeah that that one was um i think pretty nice and then it's nice they ended the year with another nice capless oh, yeah and uh, itoya released their own uh, anniversary capless the old gold uh, stripe uh, yes last month right yeah, which is the kind of a recoloring of the silver one. Yes. Um, so, staying on this pilot topic, pilot price increases, guys. I mean, from today, thirty to sixty percent, eh? Yeah, I looked at it. I didn't see sixty percent, but I saw that the pilot custom eight four five is going up like thirty eight percent. That was the highest I saw. It's up there, and also the custom Urushi, I think, is. Oh really? Okay. Oh seriously? Because I think it's going to be one hundred and fifty thousand now. Holy smokes! Wow, that is a big price increase. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty wild. And Pilot had been one of the last holdouts to have significant price increases, but um, even even Pilot, right? Like they they threw in the towel and they said. We have to price increase. Yeah. But you've seen signs of that in the past because I mean, we have talked about, I mean, even last year we talked about that bamboo forest, uh, capless, yeah. which was already was 
significantly more expensive than the previous model, right? So the standard models were mostly unchanged, but when they did a special edition for Mars N or this one or whatever, that's where you saw like a sign of things to come. So um, let me see if I can find the custom Rushi's price. I think they mentioned also that Namiki is excluded. I'm not sure if that means they can have a separate announcement for Namiki later. I, I, I think that might be the case, but also it depends on whether they give um, they give salary increases to Kokokai, right? Because if they don't, then a lot of the, the increase in prices is just materials, which is not that much. That raises an interesting question. So in the custom 845, the price increase for the custom 845 is quite a bit higher than the 823, right? And the two differences are the type of gold, 18 karat versus 14 karat. And the other difference is that one has Urushi, right? So do we see, is that delta caused by the additional cost that Urushi is getting more expensive or is it caused by the difference between 14 and 18K? I think it very well might be the gold. Um, I'm looking at the price increases right now, and it looks like we're looking at uh, 90,000 yen to 120,000 yen. Yeah, 121,000 yen from 96,000 yen. So pretty pretty significant. I, I, I actually think it's probably the gold um, prices. I don't know if they're using Japanese Urushi or Chinese Urushi. So then it will be interesting to see if they do Namiki as well, because they kind of have to. Right now, the difference between the Urushi 20 and Urushi 50, which are sometimes called, you know, Emperor and Namiki, is actually pretty small. It's like 140 versus 160,000 yen or something like that, right? But the differences in nib size and thus the gold content is quite significant, yeah. right? So if they are to increase the price of Namiki, I think we'll see the difference between the 20 and 50 increase dramatically. Yeah. And the um, Elite 95S is going from 11,000 to 17,000. That's curious because that's like tiny little nib. It's a small, it's a small pen, small pen. So probably they were losing money on this model. Um, yeah, it's 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 quite a lot. Um, I don't think I've heard about how it will impact the overseas market yet, though. So it's possible that Pilot, like Europe, Pilot USA, maintains their price just because of the... It's already been shitty prices. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. I mean, Europe in particular, they're known for having like, very high prices. So, um, and because of the favorable exchange rate right now, I think Pilot feels comfortable. But, but we'll see because the yen will probably strengthen in the next year. Just, I mean... Given what Chair Powell said. Yeah, it's really, it's more in his hands than in, the, in the Bank of Japan's hands. Yeah, Ueda-san. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely um, uh, a challenge. And I think we'll probably see in 2024 uh, a continuing rising in prices. Personally, um, you know, obviously I have some stake in involved i also hope that nib grinding and like repair work nib services 
will also see an increase in prices. We already see that with Nagahara. So Nagahara has increased about a 10% increase in his prices. Um, and personally, I think that the repair services have basically had stagnant prices for 10 years, right, at least. But that's actually also part of Pilot's announcement. This is not a nib grind, of course, but, but Pilot offers rep, uh, repairs via, uh, at their headquarters, right? And they published an announcement just a few days ago, I think, when they, when they increased the, the prices for various repair services. Yeah, yeah I think it, it has to happen. Um, otherwise, you're going to not have... In a way, those price increases, although it sucks for the consumer, it also helps these people you know, keep a job, right? Like if... If you're, if you're a repair person and you don't get paid enough, then you're just going to look for another job. I mean, at, at some point, it becomes whether I can put food on the table. So, so I think overall, the market will have to bear higher prices in general. The question is whether wages will keep up, and we'll see. Um, in Japan, it's, it's challenging, but the inflation that you talked about mostly is caused by external externalities. So um, we'll see if, if the externalities can force an internal movement um, in the economy to to increase wages, but that's a big question mark. So one one thing interesting about the price increase is that the second hand prices seem to be a lagging indicator. Like, yes. like it's like if if you go and buy you know a bungo box sailor now and then try to 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 sell it on Mercury, then of course you're going to try to sell it for a higher price than a year ago. But if you have if you have some you know pilot custom seventy four that you bought like ten years ago and you're trying to sell it now, those prices seems to have been mostly unchanged. Yeah. Right. So this may be a good time to go and hoard some second hand times on Mercury. Well, on uh, last word about pricing, just um, you know I've been having some conversations with pricing with people who actually decide the prices, and a big concern is that. Even though a lot of, you know, even parts are not made in Japan, right? Like some parts might be made elsewhere. And if you're doing international trade, you're likely paying in U.S. dollars. Um, Or at least the the chance that you're paying in yen is very, very low, especially these two years because nobody wants to take yen. Um, And so there has been an inflation on like... um, from vendors themselves, right? Just suppliers. The prices just have increased for for manufacturers. And on the question of whether then to raise prices to reflect that, a lot of the concerns that I hear is that, yes, um, it will probably be better business and, um, you know, healthier business. But if we do, it won't impact the overseas market as much, but then Japanese people will no longer be able to afford to buy those products. And so there's a lot of hesitation on that front as well. Yeah, and, and I think that that goes back to this whole question about whether we're going to see the Japanese pen makers uh, doing more interesting like new models or refresh of or refreshes of models with steel nibs. Because in the in the past, you know, steel nibs have always... Like, you don't really go to Marzen and buy like, a gift pen with a steel nib. It, it, like, the gold is the gold standard. Right? Even when I was with... Um, Ben Walsh last year going around all the shops you know, he'd show his pens and then the question always, the first question would be this is cool, does it come in a gold nib? Right, right. But now um, just cursorily on Twitter, people seem to be more okay with steel nibs. You went to the Wagner event, I think what, yesterday or two days ago? Two days ago yeah. 
Yeah, what was the the vibe like there? I mean, well, it was usually just OIG selling the very old pens, so so it wasn't really a, a reflection uh, of that. But the secondhand prices were still amazingly good. So again, it's, it's a lagging indicator. Uh, Lichtop was there, and and I think we talked about that maybe before. But their latest model is quite expensive, and it's and it's a sale. And I talked to. I talked to, to Morrison and about his upcoming models for next year. He has various platinum models um, in the works. And he said that, I can't remember his exact wording, but basically like, platinum is taking advantage of the fact that Sailor is you know, pricing themselves out, out of the market. right? Because we have seen a lot more interesting um, store exclusives and event exclusive platinum models this year, right? So we have, you know, the Shishikura pen, you have some Hachimondia, um, you had the Kobayashi, you had the Wagner and so on, right? So, so it seems as if Platinum is becoming more and more interesting alternative to Sailor if you want to make like a store exclusive. Which is, I think, our prediction from last year. I believe that th that is what we said. Okay. I may have been, okay, in that case, we did well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Um, Let's move on from to you know some of the year topics. So um, let's start with maybe the biggest news of the year, biggest uh, release of the year. What do you think was Lisa? You want to start start us off? Biggest release of the year? I don't know if it's the biggest release, but I thought it was the most um, uh, market savvy release with Shishikura's um, latest pen. Um, it hit all the. It hit everything. We haven't done the podcast bi-weekly for a while, so you got to remind us which one that is. What, what's it called? It's a 377. I have a million 3776. Mm. The platinum... Um, um, Oka? Sakura. Is it called Sakura or is it called Oka? I don't know. Oka, yeah. yeah. It's called Oka. Oh, yeah, it is Oka. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, but it, it it's a 3776, so I, like, I, it doesn't dry out. That's And the price price of 3776 is still haven't, like... Completely. 30,000 huh? 30, was? Yes, around that 33, if I'm not wrong. 33,000. Yeah. Which put it about, for me, in dollars, about 200 or something, which is like a screamingly good deal, you know, because it has kind of a silkscreen Udushi thing on it with a Sakura, and then um, it was pink, and then it had a solid section that had um, glitter in it, but not a lot because they kind of got away from that. It has a unique nib. Um, the converter was decorated. I mean, there was nothing. She didn't overlook anything. She hit every point that someone wants to make it a unique pen. And for the price, um, I thought, I thought it was just such a great deal and, and such a, a a pen that kind of encompasses a lot of what a lot of people want in a pen. So yeah, that's I don't, can't even remember the name, and it's hands down the best pen for me in this past year. It's still half price of a Sailor Pro Gear at Marozen, like one of the limited yeah. edition. When you compare the gradation from the previous one she made, it's I think they raise ten thousand yen every year. Yeah, and so I think that's probably might be one of the reasons why she might have gotten away from Sailor. I'm just you know guessing here, but I mean you can take that pen and I just you just throw it in a a purse somewhere and you forget about it for a couple of months. It doesn't matter. It's still, you pull it out, it looks beautiful and it writes. So. Yeah, that's that's a that's the best pen. Fight me on it. All right, quick. I, I will. Um, I, I agree with uh, Alicia, and then I really enjoy uh, 
the kakari one. Thank you. So it it has been one of my like I think it's always yes since this summer it was always ink in my purse. So uh, I would say compared to what I usually show and like more like glittery uh, yeah. feminine uh, pen, uh, this one was a very um, a big surprise. So thank you. Omedito. Thank you. So, so are you going to make a glittery pen? Are you going to make a pen for us? I have no comment on that right huh? now. Oh. That's how you know you, you hit, you know. Oh, when man. When, when um, he says no comment, that means oh, that you're asking hi, the right I'm question. Oh, hi, I'm going to wait in line. I think we have to save this answer and see in one year. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. We can talk a little bit about future developments. I can, I can talk about some stuff later. Jacob? I have to agree with uh, Kwe about uh, the, the Kakari. I, I think he did a fantastic job and, and, and it's true like a new pen on the market, you know, the, the filling system, the nib. Uh, you didn't just go with standard components, you really like, obsessed over details and, and made something quite unique. To be honest, I, I, I'm sure you think the filling system is the selling point. I don't. I would be equally happy with this if it was a piston filler. For me, yes. it's the nib, it's the feed, it yes. is the, the section, you know, the, the weight balance, I, just how this, how great of a writer this is. So, congratulations yeah. on that. Yeah, you're, you're, you're still in my thunder because I, I kind of, I, I, mm. I do agree with that, that um, me, I always like cool new filling systems, like the magnetic things, I go out and buy them and play with the magnets mm. and stuff like that. And I always, in the end, unscrew the section, take out my syringe, and that's how I fill the pen. And I will probably eventually fill your pen like that. I'll just unscrew the section, which you're not supposed to do, and probably fill it. Yeah, 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 but you're not supposed to do, but I will do it, just because I'm a lazy person, and the syringe is the best filling system in my in my opinion. Well, technically, that is a syringe. Yeah, but I mean, the blunt tip syringe is how I fill almost all my pens, unless it's a piston, and I don't like pistons that much. So, I... I will probably end up using the pen that way, but I would still use the pen. So that you kind of, you were saying that. It's a, it's a nice thing, but that wasn't the reason why. Well, um, I think it's interesting because the filling mechanism is what draws people to buy the pen, and then they stay for the nib. Mm. So that, that I, we have received that feedback quite a lot. One more pen that I would mention, I'm not sure if it was released this year or if I just got hold of it this year, but the Mont Blanc's Curved Calligraphy nib, oh, yeah. which I think was, uh, this is also one of my absolute favorite nibs now. And it's such an interesting nib because it's not, I thought it would be like a Naginata style nib, but I don't think it, I think the way to describe it is that it is a, it is to an architect what a stub is to an italic. In other words, it's a more rounded version of an architect. It's more forgiving. You don't get quite the same amount of line variation, but you get some line variation and it's a very forgiving nib. And I've had so much fun using the curved calligraphy Mont Blanc nib. Yeah, that, that's a good one. And um, it doesn't really have that much of a sweet spot, I think. Mm. Like you can kind of just casually even write with it, right? So you don't have to be a master calligrapher. Um, for me, uh, yeah, other than my own pen, <laughs> um, to be honest, this year has been pretty slow in pen acquisitions for myself. Um, I've kind of stopped buying pens and started to uh, kind of shift into different hobbies, like uh, Gundam. Yeah, building Gunpla, <laughs> which is um, 
in some time, but it's also a good inspiration for me. Um, the best release uh, of this year, um, I might have recency bias because I just bought this two days ago, but I have this, what is this brand called? Color? Color charts. So, this is is this Itoya's um, house in-house brand, right? So they have this um, pen case. It's ten, ten pen case. It's this um, almost fully leather case, and it's you just zip it all around and you open it, and it's got ten slots in it. It's got a nice um, cushion. I think this is urethane. With, uh, with Ultra Suede um, from Torre. And it's just got this nice casual luxury feel to it. And I'm like shaking the pen in the, I'm shaking it in the box, in the pen case right now, right? There's a little bit of movement, but it's, it, because of the padding, it doesn't damage the pens. Um, and this, this Ultra Suede, honestly, it's man-made suede, but it just feels so good. It's, it's more like a microfiber. Oh, yeah. And I think the way that they designed this case, it's very simple, but very elegant. And I think you can even use it, I mean, I can use it in the future just at pen shows as well, just to display um, products, even in the case. So uh, for me, I, I really, really like this release, and I, I do believe it is new. So um, hats off to them. Uh, I would love to make something like this as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think this is excellent. So this means next year we'll see a Q-set of pen case. What yeah. love means we'll do. Yeah, like. that's true. With glitter pens on the inside. Um, what about the worst or most disappointing release? I have one here. Go ahead. Also, last year we talked about, uh, well, we've kind of mentioned it at the beginning but we, last year we talked about it, the upcoming models and spring pen show and we couldn't understand why they would do a red custom Arushi when it was already a standard red custom Arushi there's two right and it turns out that the one that they made was a little bit sort of darker more brownish it wasn't exactly the same it's okay so okay, let's hope they do something really different like some purple or teal or whatever this year right turns out that this time they're aiming, aiming for something even closer to the standard red customer <laughs> <laughs> exactly, because if you look at the, the, the article in Shimano Bungabaka, they even mention, unlike last year's, this one is brighter and more saturated, more similar to the standard model. So why bother then? Come on, you had this opportunity to make a really oh God, unique yeah. customer Rushi. Uh, I agree that that was a very, very disappointing release. Yeah, honestly, I think that might that might take it. Corey, you got a even more disappointing one. Something mm. about the twenty twenty four New Year's cover. Ah, yeah. Let's say so. Uh, travelers usually do a lottery every January when they um, when you buy in store or online, and you can. If you reach a certain amount, you get a ticket to to get in a lottery. 
and they always have like this very like uh, like people get crazy about this like usually sign of the year um, print like golden, the Chinese zodiac yeah it's Chinese zodiac uh, gold foil on the cover sorry they, they got the tiger one the rabbit one and sometimes it was linked to their anniversary so the seven seas or the nine clouds series so I think there is maybe three or four cover per shop so whenever someone won, won one of the lottery cover, it's, it's over either on Mercari as like thousands of dollars resell, or uh, some people are really like, how they hang on it because it's very precious. There's maybe like 10 of them or 12 of them on the market. And this year, so um, starting today, is the dragon year in the Chinese um, zodiac in Japan for People who celebrate the Lunar New Year will be later, of course. So we are all hoping for dragon. Because dragons are cool, right? Dragon was really cool, right? Yeah, really yeah. Cool, right? And they release a town. I'm, I'm really sorry for the one who liked the cover, but in my position, I'm really, really upset. Because they release the town series, who is the, the one they did for the anniversary, who looks exactly like the, the drawing they made for the drawing sheet or the folder, plastic folder. It's just a copy-paste. And I'm like, come on, you have the dragon. What, what happened? What happened for the design team? Travelers, answer me, please. So yeah, it's a little bit disappointing. Well, I'm glad you said it, not me, because I'm not allowed to say that. But um, <laughs> uh, disclosure, I, I work with TRC. But um, I think this release is strange, because when you commit to a zodiac theme you have to do all of them you can't just do three out of 12 and then decide you're going to do something else right it's so strange. yeah i won't say anything about this but i that's my general comment about zodiac themed products yeah so yeah maybe that one alisa you have a disappointing product of the year i i don't even know if it's disappointing it's just something i had noticed is um, Hobonichi this year um, on their different um, planners released hardcovers. It used to be you'd get kind of a, a soft cover and then you buy the the other cover to go with it. But they had the, these hardcovers that are just really beautiful. The whole series. Yeah, and so I I got the whole set, you know, for that one. And um, <clears throat> last week. Was with Cat, right? We went back through um, the Tobichi, and so they've had these um, sample ones out since what September or August when they released them. And I was looking at the sample and all the hardback ones. And I don't know if this is because it's just, it's only you know, it's less than a year, but it's or maybe because it's being handled a lot. But the hardback ones were all were starting to like bend out, and they looked, you know, maybe if you put them on a in a, like, you know, on a bookshelf, they'll keep it straight, but they were all bending out. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, is that what I'm looking forward to when I start using my, my hardback? So that's just something I want to watch out for. That's all. Uh, next one. What's a product or, yeah, basically product that you think has flown under the radar? And maybe I'll start here with the Nakabayashi Yusari paper. The Nakabayashi Yusari paper, I think, is is very good. It's it's thicker than Tomoe River, but it handles ink quite well. I think it could be a good ten contender for 
the Tomoe River 60, um, 68 GSM replacement. It's very, very slick though. Uh, personally, I think it's a bit too slick for my, for my case, but for my taste. But I remember that they announced for the first time tips 2022, and I think we may have mentioned it in passing. But, it, but you're right that it didn't really, you didn't start seeing products on the shelves, especially not outside Japan until this year. Uh, yeah, it is very ink friendly, I agree. Um, but yeah, you have to like that very sort of uh, writing on glass surface kind of. I think the difference between that and the now discontinued Cosmere Light is that it doesn't make your uh, line spread. Right, it, it keeps the integrity of the um, the line width, uh, while also being very color friendly. I think it probably doesn't dry as fast as as other papers, but um, if you were using Tomoe River, you probably didn't really care too much about dry time anyway. Obviously, it, it is different. It's it's definitely a different paper, um, but I think it's a good paper. It's it's uh it's not gonna hit every box, but it's a good paper, and I think not enough people are talking about that paper yet. Yeah. So, do you have a under the radar? An under the radar product. I need some time to think about that. So I'll, I'll pass the baton. While you're thinking about that, I, I got a, I, I just I bought a, a notebook with you. Sorry, so I'll bring it up for the meet afterwards, and mm-hmm. we can discuss it then. Um, as far as, it's just not under the radar. It's just a, probably what we were talking about earlier, Quay, about there's just so many releases of inks and so many releases of this and that. We kind of got, like, fried over here with just so much choice. And I think, like, when you have so much choice, you kind of, like, devalue everything a little bit. And because of that, because I've just, it was a rough year this past year for me personally, and I found that going back to just using basics, like, Pilot Blue Black ink and Itoshizuku inks and just my straight up, you know, custom 74. I've just been really getting into that. It's just very comforting and very predictable. And I kind of almost went back in this retro pre-glitter ink, pre-chromo shading ink phase. And that's just something I, I just really brought me back to why I like fountain pens. And mm. I'm wondering if we, we, we need to explore that a little bit, just kind of get back to basics a little bit. Not, not to denigrate any new stuff, but sometimes is the reason I use a fountain pen isn't to buy something new. So. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, we were talking exactly about the same uh, yesterday with Akane and Suwai. Like, I rediscovered really, really all my Hiroshizuku ink, and I found some colors that I didn't have on Makari, like all the orange, bright, red one, and I ordered some of them on second hand just to play with them. And they're so, how say, stable, basic, and... It's comfort food or Exactly. Yeah. With yeah. all the glitters, like, because we, we were planning that glitter will die, right? Like last year, we that said that we will be the last yeah. year of glitters. <laughs> and year. they're still around. And as long as I love glitters for like playing with calligraphy or glass pen, it's such... P in the A to clean my pen with the glitters and they all get stuck, you always, it's impossible to get out of them. So at some point it's just like, ah, glitter for glass pen and then normal, how say, like basic ink for, for the other front end pens. Thank you for keeping our podcast uh, PG. <laughs> <laughs> I think I will continue on the same theme. Um, 
I'm probably the least qualified person to talk about ink here because I don't buy that much of it. But the way I see it, most of the inks you see, the new inks you see nowadays is like expensive dirty water in perfume bottles with glitter. That's a shot at uh, a certain Canadian brand. Oh, get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. Don't say too much. I'm an ambassador. Not all, not just them, but but like fountain pen, like compatibility is almost like an afterthought. Right, one brand that I think is going the other direction and which really appeals to me is Kuretake. Like, Kuretake makes ink in small bottles. They are like um, very, they perform very well in fountain pens. They're wet. They're easy to clean. It, it's the bottles are cheap. Like they tick all the boxes for me. Um, but I don't see that much about Kuretake. Okay, they made some jitters on. Oh no, <laughs> no, not that. But you know, at least they said in separate bottles. Yes, so you yes. can keep your glitter over here. Yeah. I'll keep my ink over here. Were there any surprise purchases? So it doesn't have to be under the radar or anything, but you know, just something you didn't expect to buy, and then you got it, and you actually really liked it. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, I haven't used it that much yet, but I did buy a Loritz brush pen. Um, with the the invisible the stealth thread, um, I I personally have some complaints about the threading um, because it's reverse threaded. So uh, sometimes I unscrew the barrel instead of the cap. But um, otherwise, I think it's a it's a very solid pen. Um, I like the design. I like I, I've been wanting a Loritz for quite a while. But their gold nibs are quite expensive. I wasn't sure um, if I wanted that brush pen because then how do you replace the brush, right? But uh, for me, I've kind of been wanting to get more into like brush calligraphy, like um, Chinese calligraphy, Japanese calligraphy, um, and I've I've put that skill to good use these days writing different cards. But um, yeah, I, I definitely didn't expect to buy that this year, but. Uh, but it was uh, it was there was um, the right color, the right price, and I, I bought it and I quite like it. I I, I think it's a it's a nice pen. Um, I I rediscover a brand that I saw sometimes in um, um, at Elite, Elite or um, Star Stationery uh, paper like some sessionary in Japan and we discussed about it with Alicia and Ayako from Cutscene from Japan is the Noyogre brand. Uh, we met them in San Francisco at the pen show and I got some of their paper and I was quite surprised by how good they react with front and pen. Uh, even the paper is like um, not white, like one of their brands is Noyogre so a little bit like grayish. All the chromo shading a color like I try with the Lish Top uh, Misuho light blue one. Uh, you see all the commercial shading on it, and they have another um, brand about like new washi paper. And I was really surprised how good they are for fountain pen. And I don't think that that well known even in Japan. Um, so it was a good surprise. Jacob. So, uh, it was more than a year ago now, but I bought this Pilot Super 200 with a signature nib, which you probably remember, like the pen was in pretty terrible condition, which I tried to get, 
tried to get it to work. It, it was still leaking, it was horrible. I so wanted to use that nib, uh, but the pen was just in such a terrible condition. But what I found this year was that it fits perfectly in some pens that take like number five size Jovo nibs, right? So I have this one beautiful Tag Stationery Fumisome pen, uh, which came with an okay but kind of boring like Jovo steel number five size pen, size nib. and. These Pilot Super 200, Super 250 size nibs, they just fit perfectly. And ever since I discovered that, I've been hoarding these Pilot Super 200 nibs. So I have a signature, I have a, I have a script, I have a manifold, I have a soft, and most recently now, I found a course nice. nib. And I brought this two days ago to the Wagner's year-end event, and I showed this to Mr. Pilot, and he couldn't believe his eyes that this actually worked, and he wanted to buy that from me. Wanted to buy it from you? Yeah. Oh, that's wild. <laughs> um, Alisa, you got anything? Um, for me, I've kind of um, uh, this year kind of gotten into pen trays. I think it was a little bit over a year ago. We went to the Osaka Pen Show, and I got um, that pen tray from um, the leather one. Uh, Shinari. Yeah, Shinari, and I got it mainly for glass pens. So I could just throw my glass pens on there without you know them rolling off the table. But then I ended up, when I wasn't using my glass pen, just kind of throwing my other pens on there. And then I went to San Francisco and got a, um, a pen tray from uh, this company that makes guitars for the Grateful Dead. And it's not like they're leftover wood or whatever. And then we went to um, Boonga Box a couple weeks ago, was it? And they had a special from Toyoko where they had their own velvet in there. And now I just like really like using pen trays. They're just so easy to kind of store your pen. It's even like, it's, it's taking that one step away from like even opening the pen case, right? It, you just can kind of grab it. They're not gonna roll off the table. And I, I just kind of have my pens ready. So now really get into pen trays now. I, I think that's- That's stop your pen from cracking when you roll off the That's true too. So you should use a pen tray. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, as we get to the end, one thing that you are excited to try out and use, um, for me, uh, Shachihata has developed this marker thing. So you use this marker, it's in invisible, um, and you paint over washi tape. Empty washi tape. Empty washi tape. Supposedly it doesn't work on other washi tapes, but I don't think it's true. Uh, so we'll find out. But, um... It allows you then to use fountain pen inks on the washi tape. And supposedly, it works very, very well. It works very well. So I, I do want to try this. And then, obviously, you know, I'm going to try it on things that are not empty washi tape no, to see. I think they, they, how say they, because we met them at the tips and they gave us a, a free pen yeah. to, to try. And um, I think they said on empty because empty has kind of this Coding. you know code and is quite from the beginning of empty till now they always did the same type of tape and sometimes other brand they have this kind of like a plastic uh, layer on it more yeah. like shiny so i think on this one maybe they cannot i would say uh, uh, be sure that it will work very well yeah um well i guess we'll find out or I'll yeah. find out. I, um, I will test on other and I'll let you know. Yeah, but that, that's the one for me. Jacob, you got anything you want to try? So, it's not any particular product I'm aware of, but I'll say more about sort of what my wishful thinking yeah, is. Sure. So, 
with founder parents, I, I feel like founder parents are kind of solve the problem. Like I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not walking around thinking like I wish there was a founder pen that you know had this feature or whatever. Right, the founder pens I use, they are kind of perfect. That is not the case. That is not the case with dip pens because the way I see it, dip pens either hold a lot of ink, allowing you to write uh, like a full page, or they are easy to clean. Like, so at the one end of the spectrum, you have a Pilot Iru Utsushi and you have Midori's dip pen. Like, they are super easy to clean. You just dip them and then you clean. But you, if you're lucky, you can write two words with them, right? And yeah. they don't hold any ink at all. At the other end of the spectrum, you have these more intricate glass pens with like many grooves. And you have uh, Hokoro, you have Kakimori's steel nib. They, they are fun to write with. You can write a full page, but they can be a pain to... to thoroughly clean as Kue mentioned you may have to use like a toothbrush or whatever right I want a dip pen that is easy to clean and allow me to write a lot okay okay um glass pen makers dip pen makers take notes Alisa um I'm gonna tag along on your thing that um is it uh judge you how to put out is they've got a thing now and again Kue and I were both checking it out it uh tips but you know the really popular Noto car, uh, ink cards where you just swab the ink across the top of it and then a design comes out and they've just kind of exploded. Everybody, mm. ha Every company has one now. Mm. But they've got a, um, a stamp pad that they're coming out with where you can just stamp something and then it repels the ink so you can make your own ink cards or whatever. And I think those will be super popular. You can just take maybe whatever kind of index card or, or a piece of paper take whatever stamp you want, stamp it, and then use that design and just rub, you know, run your ink across it with a, a, a brush or something, and you automatically have an ink card made for you. So I think th that'll probably be pretty big, I'm thinking. And I'm thinking everybody's going to be coming out with that, too. All right. Okay. So um, uh, you may all know that I'm into glass pen quite a lot, and for many years... I'm running after this Paraglass. Paraglass guy to get a Ramune pen and I start to get really, really, really not patient at all because I'm losing so many times, so many hours of sleep to wait in line and to not get that pen. And uh, one of my friend Esther, who was uh, like who is a, a partner in crime in all these waiting lines, we start to get like, okay, let's forget about it and give our money to someone else to make um, other pens where you don't like uh, get caught a cold because you spend like five hours in the cold at five, uh, 6 a.m. in the morning. So first of all, uh, I want to shout out to Shoko Yamazaki who make a very, very nice uh, glass pen. She's not, we cannot find that her pen that easily. And when there are like in pop-up store, like in Kobeha, or uh, Itoya, they are sold out like in one day. If you miss the Twitter or the sorry X um, advertisement or something, when you come there, there's no pen left. Um, but I got some this year after years of like running after. I I got some of her pen and they are really beautiful, very like affordable in the kind of like middle. They start like around ten thousand yen, like not the cheapest one, but not the most expensive one either. So a good um, in-between and a very uh, delicate pen. And uh, Esther, who has Vandalus, has just designed this bubble tea uh, glass that pen. That one is really nice. That I didn't 
see yet. I didn't have it in my hand yet, but it seems so funny with the bubble, like the black tapioca balls in glass who are moving and uh, making noise inside the fake uh, milk tea. So it's one of the um, glass pen I'm looking forward to see in my hand and and test. And uh, yeah, that's my take. All right. Um, and then last uh, thing, um, unless you want to talk about product development, is what kind of trends are you expecting for 2024? I mean, y'all are acting so surprised. I ask this question every year. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> um, so, so maybe, maybe I'll start. Um, I think that differentiation is going to be a pretty key factor. Um, I think there are so many pens out there now, like uh, if we take a look at the US market, for example, right, like everybody and their mothers are making fountain pens in their garages, right? So you need some kind of differentiating factor. In Japan, I think, you know, you've got so many new releases, so many retailers now, um, unless you're kind of one of the older established retailers who've got like a really strong story, I think it's harder and harder for um, domestic Japanese people to justify at those prices that um, the pens cost. So in order to be successful at this kind of new price point, you really need to differentiate uh, your product offering, might be your service or might be your story or whatever it is. I think that's going to be key. I think um, readjusting your pricing strategy and looking at um, how you want to, again, I said briefly in the beginning, segment your your audience in terms of you know domestic audience or you know overseas audience and even overseas there's many many countries right so you know maybe northeast asia southeast asia they have different buying tastes so how are you going to create who are you going to create for i don't think you can create pens that are for everybody um you have to have a kind of target in mind and, and create for those people and accept that you can't you know just grab everybody anymore you have to you have to be more specific and um and then you have to tell a story about that brand you have to you have to grab a um you have to grab their attentions by um infusing meaning into products so you know maybe it's something that you buy because you want to commemorate a an experience or a trip or whatever it is but i think the standard like kind of um like black and gold pens probably not going to cut it anymore except for these graduation gifts um, even on the lower end I think you need to have some kind of storytelling I think Sailor is actually you know we've been bashing Sailor for the entire year but I think they're actually quite good at that right um, with the, the fishing um, the, the the water release that they had a couple years ago that was kind of fun whimsical um, I, I hope we do we see more of that kind of stuff Oh, and I also think that the yen is going to um, strengthen. In June, right? I have confidence that the yen will recover to at least 130 by the end of the year. Jacob, what does your 
your insider information tell us? If I had insider information, I would be very quiet in this meeting. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. Uh, I would say pilot won't do anything worth talking about next year. Sailor will have to tighten the purse because they are in pr trouble and Platinum is going to eat Sailor's lunch. Okay. Mm. Okay. One thing we didn't mention, which I think um, pilot is like one the most conservative of the big three, right? But they released the Pilot um, 743 Verdigree in the US this year, yes. in green. So even though they've always had an overseas presence, um, this could be a first marker that they're you know, turning their heads a little bit. How did it do? I think it did very well. Yeah, but I think the, the issue is that, well, from our perspective, is that the fine writing part of their business is so small that they don't feel any urgency to do anything, right? And I think I'm sure they're doing very well with the, the gift market with the Namikis and so on. So it's more of, sort of more of a whim from what they want to do. While for Platinum and Sailor, it's, you know, life or death of the, of the business. Um, this isn't a company thing. Um, I think we're going to see more integration of fountain pen and um, fountain pens and ink. You know, we we've kind of like really stretched all the borders on ink, and I don't know about fountain pens yet, but we definitely have fountain pens made of every conceivable material. It seems like, and I think the stretching is going to be more like in the uses of fountain pen and fountain pen inks. You're going to see more artists maybe using like fountain pen ink with a brush. And, and not even bothering with a fountain pen, or you're going to see people that paint and use a fountain pen for fine etching around the sides or whatever. That has really interested me, just how creative people are with both fountain pens and fountain pen ink, and I really welcome that. Maybe even into stationery. I'd like to see more stationary people when they do their journals, maybe just a little bit in a fountain pen because they just enjoy the way it writes. You know, you, you may do your whole bullet journal in a ballpoint pen or whatever and just have a couple of lines in a fountain pen because it's cool, it writes a little different, you might get a different kind of, you know, like all the different things we talk about, the different nib grinds and stuff. So I would like to see more integration, and I think we will see more integration of fountain pen and accessories throughout. Um, I, I want, I want uh, Jose, um, expect something from a particular brand, but I will be really curious to discover, because a, a lot of, like, uh, settled brand like Sasha Chihata struggle, right? Now that people use less Hanko. And um, so I think they get really innovative when they struggle. Like with this uh, pen, um, transparent pen on empty tape. And I'm thinking that Kakimori, who is a very well-known stationery shop uh, in Tokyo, has released this whole uh, office uh, stationery goodies, a new brand. What's the name? I forgot. Objects. Uh, index. Something? Index. Yeah. Object so, index. And in this series of uh, artifacts, they had this very funny um, tape uh, dispenser where you can already have the, the tape made the tag for you. Do you understand what I mean? Uh, we will link uh, one of the videos. So instead of just pulling a piece of tape, you have this small um, piece who will like fold your tape and then you pull it so you will make tag exactly the same size every time you pull so i'm, mm -hmm. I'm i will look in this kind of like creative in uh ingenious um yeah 
stationary um, makers, and I'm looking forward to see more inventive uh, creation like this. All right. Um, yeah, I think uh, you have more high end and low end, maybe hollowing out a little bit in the middle. Um, but yeah, I, I think all very good predictions. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think it's um, it's gonna be another busy year for us, right? Twenty twenty four. In terms of the podcast schedule, will probably be just as unpredictable as this year. So, for the listeners, you can expect a podcast whenever we feel like it. Um, there will be no set schedule. But uh, you know, don't unsubscribe from us yet. Um, eventually, we will make it back into your into your ears, into your feeds. So stay tuned. But I think yeah, for the next year, we won't have a, a set schedule. I think it's going to be very hectic for for everybody. Um, yeah. Any last words? Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to be part of this because I'm moving. But I, you know, I I think you guys really even. You, doing your podcast intermittently and sporadically, each one's juicy and each one's got a lot of good information in it. And uh, I don't think people are going to be unsubscribing. I think it's just going to be like a a bonus or you know a, a candy bar you know out there or something. So you can tell them dieting. But um, so I, I I stay tuned. It's cool stuff. I, I guess every time we we are participating as guests and we announce it beforehand on Instagram. I always got like bunch of messages like, oh, I can't wait to hear so so long and so happy to see that you guys are still doing it. So I I guess for most of the followers, it's like following friends from afar and be happy to meet them once in a while and getting news from the other side of the world. And that's a good thing. So just keep it up whenever you can and we'll be around. All right. Uh... Yeah, I think if people are okay with mixing up, you know, fountain pen news talk with just general chatter about, you know, life in Japan, I, I think we can do more and more of that. I think that person is a very interesting topic because I think there's a lot to be said about that and we have a unique perspective having been here a long time and we can always put a stationary spin on it, of course, but... Um, if people are interested in that, then I think we can do something about it. I feel like you're opening a very dangerous floodgate. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, I guess stay tuned for, for what we have in store next. Uh, and have a great 2024. My name is CY. You can find me on my website for now um, at tokyostationpens.com. Um, it will probably be deactivated in a couple of months uh, or you can find me on Instagram at Tokyo Station Pens and that will not be deactivated and my name is Jacob I'm food fan on Instagram and threads and whatever else and my name is Cray I'm Cat on Instagram and uh, see you soon thank you guys for having us Elisa Inky Rocks and all the social media thanks a lot bye bye happy new year <laughs> <laughs>